0: Five, four, three, two, one.
1: You're listening to the YA Podcast with me, Anthony Ergo. On this episode, we'll be discussing Veronica Roth's Insurgent, both the book and the movie, and we'll be hearing from various young adult bloggers who'll give you their opinions. But first up, here's the trailer for the movie. I
2: so you are living proof that the divergent problem has grown beyond all control.
0: I wanted something different.
1: I know you're angry, Truth. But you're
0: letting it consume you. So now we're all officially fugitives?
3: Divergence will destroy our society. Kill them both.
2: We have to stop her together. This is the only chance we have to rescue a little civilization we have left.
1: No pressure.
0: You're listening to the YA podcast.
1: Insurgent is the second book in the Divergent series. But before we hear the views of our bloggers, let's hear from the author herself, Veronica Roth.
3: One of the definitions of insurgent is someone who rises up in peaceful opposition to an established authority. Um, and that's what Tris does in insurgent. She's, um, you know, she's a little traumatized from what happens at the end of the first installment. And she has to figure out a different way of being in the system and of fighting the system um, than just, you know, with a gun alone. So. Um, that's that's where the title Insurgent comes from. The dome was pretty incredible because that giant tree in Amity is one of my favorite, I guess, like landscapes in the book. The, one of my favorite ones to write about, since that's basically you know the emblem of Amity, and it's in its literal form in that dome. So seeing that come to life was was pretty incredible. One of the things that, as a reader who goes to see movie adaptation or adaptations of books frequently. One of the things I like to see is just, you know, how expansive and beautiful and interesting the world can become when you show it, you know, on screen. Um, and I think that's one of the things they'll most enjoy seeing is just, what does Candor headquarters look like? What does Janine's laboratory look like? You know, and they're not described in all that much detail in the book, um, partly just because of the way I write and partly because, i don't i don't like too many descriptions you know i think it kind of bogs down the narrative a little bit um but in the movie you can show things in such great detail and they can become so much bigger and so much cooler and so much you know stranger than you ever imagined
1: okay so i have to admit i am a fan of veronica roth and the divergent books Uh, But before I give you my opinion, let's hear from our bloggers. Now, I should point out there are some mild spoilers in these reviews, so if you haven't yet read the book or seen the movie, maybe come back to this podcast a little later on. Otherwise, let's start off with Brett from the UK.
2: Hello, welcome to my Insurgent Review. So I loved the part of this book where they go off to the different compounds, they go to Candor headquarters, they go to Amity, they spend some time in Erudite, they go back to Dauntless, and they spend some time in Nation, and also with the Factionalists. I love that that sort of explored all the different parts of of this sort of divergent universe, if you can call it that. I, I liked exploring those because you didn't get to see them all. You got to know about the people but not really the places or how things actually function, it's just sort of hearsay in the first book, and so I like that you actually get to experience it in this one. Can I just say that Janine is possibly my favourite ever antagonist. She isn't inherently evil or just doing it for self-gain like Voldemort was or like President Snow was. Janine is so well written because you can tell in her core she just does everything sort of for knowledge and the fact that she does all these inhumane experiments and develops all these serums just to sort of see what happens and then there's a point in the book where Tris doesn't cooperate and things aren't really going as had planned and she doesn't she, she for the like what seems like the first time ever she cannot fathom what's going on she can't like even come up with a theory for, for what's happening and it really gets to her and I just it's she's so well written I like I literally, I, I there was part of me that hated how cold and dead she was and how everything was, like, robotic. She just wanted to know and didn't care who she hurt. That, I just, I loved, I hated her and I loved that I did. I got to the end of the book and it was, oh, it was, it was so good. It was not quite as good as Divergent but still captivating and I just kept reading it wanting to know what was going to happen. And then as I got to, the, like, the last 50 pages of the book, I got angry because I realised the next one isn't coming out till October, and literally waiting for that is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. I implore you to read Divergent and Insurgent. They're, like, the best. They, like, oh, they're so good. I'm literally lending the books out to every single person that I know, so please buy these books and read them because they're insane. They're so good. I'm pretty sure every single day I'm googling information about the movie and the next book and just anything they'll give me, I just this book is so good
1: some interesting views there from brett and i do like his point about janine i agree that she's a great antagonist and just really proof that you don't need to have a physical threat to be a danger now for another review but this time to add some balance and we've got bex from canada and she'll give you her thoughts on Insurgent.
0: I absolutely love Divergent, as many of you probably know, five out of five, rave review. When I finished that book, I was so into the characters, so into the story, and it just, it really sucked you in. It was a good length, there was a lot of action, but not too much action, whereas Insurgent is kind of the opposite of that. So it still focuses on the same characters, you still have Triss as the main character, there's still Tobias, there's still pieces of Triss's family, and then there's all a lot of other characters who you meet in Divergent. The first thing I want to recommend is that don't wait a long time between reading Divergent and reading Insurgent. I didn't wait that long. I read Divergent in March, maybe, and then I read Insurgent in August into September. I was totally lost on some of who the characters were. Obviously I remember the main ones, but there was other characters, friends from Dauntless, friends from Abnegation, who I was just like, what? Who are these people? And Veronica Roth doesn't doesn't give time for explanations. There's too many other things that she's got to focus on, apparently. Even though this book is gigantic, she still has a lot of other things that she'd rather focus on. This book is way too long. It's over 500 pages, and I feel like 100 of those pages could have been reworked in some way. There was a lot of pointless running around, almost to the point where you were desensitized to it. You stopped feeling like, oh gosh, this is a big part coming up, people are going to die. Because it seemed like that was happening every five pages. Someone was dying and someone was attacking someone else and they were making major plans to launch some sort of other attack. And it just it desensitized it. You didn't feel like it was that important anymore and you started being almost cynical about it, saying, "Oh, again, really? I understand that there's a war being fought here between these five factions, but... And also, another thing that she should have included was in the back of Divergent, she had a key to the different um, factions, what they stood for, that sort of thing. She should have included it in the back of here. There were certain things, I was like, wait a minute, Amity, it's what what side are they on? Like, Who are they leaning towards? Are they neutral? She should have included something in the back like she did in Divergent just to make it easier for people who, like me, had been a few months since you'd read the book. Another thing that there was way too much of was Tris tobias moments. In Divergent, I totally loved it when they got together. I thought it was great, it was perfect. I liked the interaction between the characters, I was totally behind the relationship. Where in this book, obviously, their relationship is strained because there's a war being fought and people have different feelings on certain things but there were so many moments where so many bad things were happening so many people were getting hurt that it just... and they kept, you know, being together and then breaking apart not to say that they broke up or anything like that but it was just... it's it stopped being sweet I stopped looking forward to their moments together there was, you know, a few where I was like, oh wow, I'm really glad she included that, I'm really glad she wrote it but there was other times where I felt like it's just no you could have just left it out or rewritten the scene take it out some of the, a lot of the extra action erased some Tristo bias scenes and then it would have been a much better story in in general okay so I think I pretty much covered all the negative things about this book things that I did like about this book the ending actually as far as I know this is supposed to be a trilogy so the last book should be answering a lot of questions and the ending sort of started launching in to answering those questions when there was the big showdown between the factions. They uncovered some material, they're they're looking for a certain file, and they find the file, and it sounds like, from what little snippet we got, we're going to find out why these factions exist. What happened in this dystopian Chicago to create these factions? It is one of the only parts in the book where I actually felt excited again, like I did when I originally read Divergent. In terms of characters, who I really felt connected to, Triss is still cool, she's still butt-kicking, she still doesn't give a crap in terms of taking down people, which I definitely appreciate, she's a strong character, but Once again, I felt like there was too much going on and other things that sort of ruined it for me. Too many Tris Tobias moments, too many moments. There was a lot of moments where she was having a lot of trouble just keeping herself together. And that's understandable. Overall, I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five stars. And that's being a little generous. I really think that it should have been three out of five. But the ending kind of saved it for me and left me with a better impression than what I would have said before. This is the YA podcast with Anthony Ergo
1: so i think it's fair to say that bex didn't like insurgent as much as divergent and just to address a couple of issues firstly the length uh, bex complained that it was a little long for me the issue wasn't so much with the length but with the pace it did feel a, a much slower pace than the first book um, and when we did have action sequences it they didn't feel integral to the plot so i'd possibly agree with that uh, on the characters I, I do agree with that in that a lot of new characters are introduced and it is quite hard to keep track of who's who um, so that is, is one issue that I would agree with looking at Goodreads the uh, Goodreads rating for Divergent was a 432 and Insurgent a 4.14. And I would have to say I I really enjoyed Divergent. Insurgent, for me, is still a really good book, but I would probably give it a rating of 4 out of 5. I'd be really interested to hear what you think of Insurgent and whether you agree with any of our reviewers. And you can tell us your thoughts either via Twitter, which is at the podcast, or on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash the y a podcast okay so sticking with our dystopian theme we've now got a short audio blog from kirsten from the u.s and she'll tell us about some of her favorite dystopian series novels
4: hi everybody kirsten here i personally love dystopian books Uh, They were some of the first YA books that I had read uh, back in the summer of 2010. My girlfriend Natalie, she got me into reading again after I had gone through this horrible reading slump after The Deathly Hallows came out. I wasn't able to pick up another book for years, like literally years. The reason why I read Dystopian is not only because I love seeing young women and young men standing up for themselves and standing up for the rights of people, but I also see that that's where we're going. This is, we're almost bordering in a dystopian society currently and it's scary. And I think the reason why I read these books is because it kind of gives me hope that it won't always be this way. So that's why I read them. And one of the first books that she got me into was The Hunger Games, which is my favorite dystopian trilogy. Without a doubt, it's my favorite. And it isn't just because it's the first one I read. I think it has the best themes. And it really does speak to a generation that is terrified of what is going to happen to us. And the reason why I love this book series so much is because Katniss is not your typical heroine. And I'm saying that because when I came into the world of YA and into the dystopian YA fiction world, I was used to seeing, you know, these virginal Mother Teresa heroines that are always doing everything right that they're supposed to do, always end up with the man that they love, always do all of these things exactly the right way, and are always in line. So, I mean, this was like one of those first books that I read where a girl was thrust into a situation that she didn't want to be in, and she made it vocal that she didn't want to be in it, but she still did it because she had to for her family and to survive. And it's amazing the things that we'll do, the links that we go into, to make sure that we survive and that our families are intact and safe. I think a lot of people spend way too much time worrying about the romance between Katniss and Peeta in this book instead of really looking at how important the story actually is It's a young woman saving her family. Okay, so the next dystopian series that I'm going to talk about is also a part of a now a successful movie franchise and the second movie is being filmed right now and that is the Divergent trilogy by Veronica Roth. I didn't read these books until Allegiant came out. I didn't want to start reading it and then have to worry about the next book so I waited until Allegiant came out. I do love Triss. I do think that the, the first book is better than the other two. I really think Divergent could have been a standalone I do think that slowly throughout these books, the voice of Tris and the voice of the author kind of gets lost and gets messed up a little bit in there. And the third book by itself almost seems like it was written by a completely different person. I love these these books, not necessarily just because of Tris, but I love them because of Four. I love Four. He's like one of my favorite. He's one of my favorite book boys. I just can't even help it. I just like super love him. And these books are about a society starting an experiment to kind of keep the people in line. The, The world that they live in is just a giant social experiment. So it just kind of like takes you on this like crazy ride of learning about it, trying to figure out why, and then the end. And it's just kind of, it's all kind of crazy. There's so much stuff that happens. So many people die. It's just, it's kind of like a roller coaster ride from the beginning to the end. The next books I have are the Maze Runner Trilogy by James Dashner. I feel like guys would really like these books uh, because there's it's all guys basically except for one person. I know a lot of people love these books. I just wasn't a fan. I do feel like they're a little bit on the sexist side. I know that there are some themes that other people would absolutely love. Uh, the characters are really well written. I just I just couldn't really get into them. I want to talk about another dystopian series and that is the Delirium Trilogy by Lauren Oliver. It's about a society that deems love as a disease and so when you hit a certain age they inject you with a serum that gets rid of that part in your brain so that you aren't able to fall in love and so it helps people run society better the people that don't take the don't take the serum and don't believe that this is the right way to go they end up living outside of these places in the wild and it's just crazy and it's really good and i love lauren oliver books So if you love lauren oliver books and you haven't read the delirium trilogy I definitely recommend reading those
1: some really good recommendations from kirsten of some of the more popular ya dystopian novels and just to recap they were the hunger games by suzanne collins maze runner by james dashner and Delirium by Lauren Oliver. If you haven't checked those out, then maybe give them a go, and I'm sure we'll be featuring some of those books on future episodes of the YA podcast.
4: This week's young adult
1: news. We have some exciting news for YA readers in the UK. And it has been announced today that the YALC event, which is the Young Adult Literature Convention, will be returning for its second year at the London Olympia, and that will take place on the 17th to the 19th of July. I attended the convention last year, and I can say from first-hand experience it is a really fantastic event. I actually launched my debut novel, Dystopia, there, and got to meet lots of fellow authors and readers. The YALC event is actually part of the London Film and Comic Con. The whole weekend will have lots of uh, various events and talks and you can get to meet uh, some well-known children's authors uh, and young adult authors such as the current children's laureate Mallory Blackman, also there's the author of the Mortal Instruments series Cassandra Clare, Charlie Higson and Patrick Ness. So I would encourage you to check that out. You can find out more at the YALC Twitter account or at the London Film and Comic Con website. I'll put all the details in the podcast description. Okay, so to round off this first episode of the YA podcast, we've got a humorous feature from Lucy Powery, who's a UK blogger and booktuber, on some of the clichés that she's come across in YA novels.
5: Hi guys, I recently read a book that had me practically screaming. This was because of the clichés in it that made me want to rip my eyes out. It was extremely painful reading. Okay, I accept that I can deal with some clichés in books, but it's when these clichés start becoming really apparent on every single page in the book that I start getting annoyed. The first cliché I noticed was the lack of mothers and parents in YA. In this one book I read, one mother was missing and the other was dead. I'm pretty sure there are no mothers left in YA because they have all completely disappeared. I love reading about the relationships between parents and their children because I think it can be very subtle but also very meaningful. But a common trope in YA is a lack of parents altogether. Particularly in fantasy and dystopia, parents are killed off left, right and centre because they just seem to get in the way. I mean where are all the parents going? Cliche number two. If a character's eyes are mentioned in great detail, they are most definitely the love interest. The protagonist will gaze deeply into the eyes of the love interest and declare then and then that they will get married, have 10 kids, and elope onto a desert island where they can gaze into each other's eyes for the rest of eternity. Cliche number three, the boy next door. What is the obsession with protagonists falling in love with the boy next door? Because let me tell you, I wouldn't even want to look at the boy who lives next door to me. What is the obsession? I mean, why? I just don't understand the obsession whatsoever. But I think the most abundant of all cliches in YA fiction is the love triangle. So your protagonist may be totally irresistible, but do we really want to read about two boys primitively fighting over her? Not really. Love triangles are most definitely the most eye-roll worthy of all the cliches, and they should have stopped at Twilight. Just stop. No more love triangles, please. So that was my list of YA cliches. I know it annoyed me, so I hope it didn't annoy you too much. Happy reading.
1: Nice job from Lucy, and both as a writer and a reader, I definitely recognize some of those cliches. Okay, so that's it for our first episode of the YA podcast. Thank you for listening and downloading. Please do take the time to rate and review us on iTunes. It will really help us to bring you more podcasts in the future. Also, do check out the podcast description for the links to all the featured reviewers and bloggers from this episode. And thank you for their contributions. If you'd like to be a part of the YA podcast, get in touch with us at the YA podcast on Twitter or at facebook.com slash podcast. Whether you're a reader or a writer, enjoy whatever it is that you're doing. I'm Anthony Ergo, and I'll speak to you next time.
0: The YA Podcast is hosted by Anthony Ergo, produced by Jeff Torkel, with
3: music by Simon Frimson.